Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Hostrosser. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you get a chance, head over to peterhostrosser.com or disrupteducation.co. You can connect with me there, see all my blogs, everything else going on in education reform. Also, I'm a proud member of the Ed Up Experience. So if you head over to edupexperience.com, I'm part of their podcast network. There is so much going on in education reform, cutting edge, innovation, everything you want to know around education and the changes coming. Check out all the podcasts there. Check out the blog. Check out everything they do at edupexperience.com. Also, follow the hashtag Rebel Teacher Network. I'm a proud member of the Rebel Teacher Network as well. Hashtag Rebel Teacher Network. On this podcast, I have Olivia Barnes. She's a nature enthusiast, a competitive swimmer, a visual artist, and a lover of learner. Oh yeah, she's only 17. And after uh, leaving traditional high school at the end of her freshman year, she began to shape her own learning experiences. She took classes at various institutions with a goal of challenging herself and exploring her passions in more depth. She's going to share that journey with us. And guess what? Coming soon, she is writing a book and attempting to qualify for the Olympic trials. You don't want to miss this podcast with Olivia Barnes coming up right after this. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people and that's you know that's really powerful and that you know that professional networking piece um, you know to be with other like-minded teenagers that puts you ahead that puts you ahead in a lot of ways and so um, you know I think anyone who's a spike view right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see you know where those spike view alumni head up head to spikeview.com start your portfolio now for free Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program Online Course or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher.
All right, welcome to the podcast. I got a great one for you today. She's 17 years old. She's a lover of learner, every teacher's dream. Um, and she is the future author of Overlapping of Worlds. I have Olivia Barnes here. Olivia, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's unpack that a little bit. 17 years old, lover of learning. Tell us a little bit about like who you are and what you're doing these days. So I think just starting with my educational um journey and just describing that a little bit. Um, I have always had a very atypical learning experience, but it got very um, weird, I guess you could say, when I got to high school. So I started out high school in a public high school as a performing and visual arts high school. Really enjoyed myself there, made a lot of good friends, had a great uh, great experience. Um, one of the things that I realized after being there for one year is that it was so rigid that I wasn't really able to pursue the things that I was most interested in. And that bothered me, <laughs> it bothered me enough so that I left the school. Um, so following freshman year, I um, went into my sophomore year trying to create my own learning experience. I knew the things I was really passionate and interested in. And so I tried to build a learning um, journey and sort of model around that. So I took a couple classes at a local uh, university. I took some cl biology classes there, took other classes at um, uh, private school, took some classes online. It was very chaotic and it was all over the place, but it was amazing because it gave me, um, it taught me that I could learn on my own and that I had the ability to sculpt something that challenged me in a way that was very specific to my own capabilities and what I needed. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but being the adventurous person that I am, I wanted to see if I could do something um, a little more. And my dad always talks about, you know, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. So that first year stru structuring my own education, that was very outside of my comfort zone. It was really uncomfortable those first couple of months. But by the end of the year, I had gotten used to it. And I had, you know, developed a routine, developed a rhythm, and it wasn't as uncomfortable. And so trying to push myself out of my comfort zone again, I decided to start self-directing my learning and fully self-directing my learning. So this year, my junior year in high school, um, I constructed my own learning. And it's very, it's interesting talking to people who are really interested, uh, who are really set in the traditional way of thinking around education. Because when I talk to them, they're like, like, why aren't you taking classes? Like, what are you going to get graded on? Um, but that wasn't what I was going for. Like, I really wanted to see what I could learn and really focus on the emphasis on the learning part. Um, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm someone who is like, I, I embrace being different. I embrace sort of throwing aside the, um, <laughs> not completely throwing aside the rules, but a little bit um, challenging the norm. Um, and this was a way for me to see if, you know, I could really push myself and grow and learn, even if I didn't have a teacher on my shoulder and I didn't have the traditional st structure of schools. Um, and I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> it has definitely been a challenge. Um, but this journey has, I think for the most part, this taught me that the traditional model schooling isn't the only way to learn. And it might not even be the best way to learn. Um, and I think that was something that really stood out to me um, when I first started self-directing my learning is how much 
I hadn't learned in school that I, I probably should have, how much I could learn outside the walls of school. Um, and yeah, so that is that is a little bit of who I am. Obviously, there's a, no, <laughs> there's a lot of me. It's wonderful because, you know, it's number one, disrupt education. Hello, here we are, right? This yeah. is awesome. And, you know, pushing those boundaries and, and, you know, trying to find different ways to do things is obviously, you know, a big interest of many, many people. Um, your path is, is interesting. So from freshman year being into like the, the system and then the okay. second year figuring out, okay, you know, I always tell people it's hard to do this right away because you, you have to create your own syllabus, right? And then right. you actually be a, you're your own counselor. You're, you're basically everything that's there, but you're finding it. And I'm sure you're finding people and in, in, um, in different curriculum from the second year to now, what was the biggest change as going on your own that you kind of grew? Like, was there different courses? Was there a different area of like online learning? What, what was the biggest change between sophomore year and now in your actual structure? I think the biggest change, I think it doesn't have anything to do with the traditional school. I think the biggest change for me was actually learning how to be disciplined and learning how to learn. Coming out of school, so you know, my sophomore year, it was a very untraditional learning experience, but I still had the teachers, I still had, you know, the students that I was um, working with and learning with. Coming out of that, I had no peer pressure and no adult supervision over my learning. And that was extremely hard at first. And figuring out how to keep on track and keep learning was extremely difficult. And I was really discouraged, actually, because I thought, you know, I was an all-A student. I considered myself um, well-educated, but the fact that I was seriously struggling, disciplining myself enough to like keep a curriculum or learn that first couple of months of self-directing my learning was almost a slap in the face of, wow, like there is so much more to learning to like the, the um, world of learning than what school has been teaching me. Um, and that is probably the biggest thing that I have learned how to do, like figuring out how to, how to learn, but also how to like keep, keep a, um, a schedule, uh, discipline myself to, you know, wake up at these times and get these things done. I had always done that in school, but in school it was easier because, you know, I, I knew I had a test in a couple of days, so I had to prepare for that. But while I was self-directing my learning, I didn't necessarily have that. I had to make like make deadlines and draw in different resources and people to help keep me accountable. Um, so that was, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. So be, that's, that's amazing because actually in my consulting, that's exactly what I teach, but I'm usually teaching 20 year olds to do this mm. or 25 year olds, uh, actually how to actually time box their days uh, mm. and such. Um, over the last two years, what's the biggest memory right now? Like the biggest learning moment that you've had? That's a good question. Okay, so I think, and so I think the beauty of my self-directed learning is that I'm really eager to learn, regardless of the situation um, and regardless of the atmosphere. So I am a competitive swimmer. Um, I have been swimming since I was six. I love it, but recently I've been really interested in going all out, you know, and going really diving into it, seeing how fast I can become, and I think the biggest thing that I have learned is that, and I, I don't really know how to phrase this. I know there's a quote around it and I completely forgot it. Um, but the tighter I try, like the more I try to force myself to swim fast, 
the harder it was. Um, and there's an element of trust that, you know, I sort of had to learn. Um, and I, I mean, I've come a long way. I've had some great meets, some not so great meets. Um, but trusting the process, trusting my coaches and enjoying the journey was some of the like the biggest things because for me whenever i was swimming and i first started saying okay i'm really gonna go after it you know i'm gonna make it to junior nationals or whatever meet i was trying to go to i was focused on the goal and as important as the goal was it was the process that was that was going to get me there and so if i got so caught up in the goal that i messed up the process then i wouldn't be able to get to the goal right so i think that was probably the biggest learning experience is you set the goal you, you figure out a plan to get to the goal and then you stick to the process and you trust the process. Um, that skill can be applied to so many different areas of life. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect to learn it in the pool, but I did. And I'm very grateful for learning about it. Um, and I think it totally changed my mindset around working out and swimming and training and uh, I mean, learning and doing everything because now I can enjoy the process more. I can look at each day and say, okay, you know, I'm not going to, go whatever time I want to go today. But I know that if I try hard and if I, you know, work on whatever my coach tells me to work on, I will get there eventually. Um, so that was probably the most enjoyable memory of learning during the last two years. Well, I mean, trusting the journey. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, that's, that's such a great, and thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, athletes and, and the book and, and yeah. a little bit later, that's just a little teaser. Here because. <laughs> um, so with with all that, how do you assess yourself? I'm going to I'm asking this question for the hundreds of ed reformers out there. How do you assess yourself if you're not giving yourself grades or all this traditional pieces? How do you know that you've learned something and or are still moving forward in something? Yeah, um, that's a great question. When I first started, I had no idea. I was very confused. I was like, OK, if I am not taking formal classes, but I'm doing research on my own and I'm trying to educate myself and push myself on my own? How am I going to show people that I'm not just, you know, twiddling my thumbs all day long? Um, but my dad, who is really big into education, as you know, um, said that to demonstrate that you know something, you can either write about it or you can talk about it. And if you could explain it in writing or in um, oral communication, then generally speaking, you have a really good foundation and understanding about the topic. So that is what I did. I would write blogs and I would um, present to different people about what I learned as an attempt to document and communicate um, that even if I wasn't taking, you know, a grade or I wasn't taking a class, I didn't have a letter grade, um, I could still demonstrate the same sort of things that people demonstrate in the classroom in um, oral and written forms of communication that's that's a risk a lot of people have to take because you know obviously that's a, a writing for me was horrifying <laughs> when i was your age uh but as i practiced right you just kept doing it and i was right. i was always okay in front of the camera because i was just uh you know an entertainer in my family <laughs> um so well let's let's uh let me ask you the disrupt education question um yeah. and that is Traditional education obviously is there. There's a mm -hmm. huge shift going on um, right now. Um, I think it's been kind of under the the you know the surface until COVID and, and a lot of these inequities, a lot of these different right. things were coming out. Um, 
What is it? What's what's one or two of the major things right now if you could flick a switch and change education? We have a 17-year-old here, lover of learning. What is it? Yeah, so that's that is a big question. Um and I think I don't think there's anything that I can really flick a switch on just because to change education in a way that benefits people and helps people learn and grow to a way that best suits them, it is so much more <laughs> broad and complex than just a switch. Um, but I think, so like simplifying it down a little bit, one thing from a 17 year old, from my point of view, that I really enjoyed while in school was when I was given the freedom to research things that I was interested in. And I was um, given the opportunities to um, find different ways and you know um, navigate the world without having a teacher telling me to do it. I had this teacher, she was a um, professor at the university I took a class at, and she said, part of my class, you guys need to do a volunteer um, in something that you're interested in related to biology. And I found that so helpful because that was the first time someone really connected what we were learning in class and what each student was individually interested and passionate about to the outside world. Um, and so I did a volunteer program around um, conservation, helping uh, conserve reefs, or not reefs, marshes um, down in Texas. Um, and, you know, doing that and then being able to connect it to the class was, I think, really helpful for me because I am very much an experimental learner, learner or experiential learner, excuse me. If I can experience it, I will connect it and I will memorize it much more. Um, I will remember it and I will be able to learn a lot quicker from that. Um, so I think that is a big thing, giving students the opportunity to connect what they're interested in because everyone has, you know, different interests. Um, whether they know it or not, people have, you know, different interests and letting those interests come forward in the classroom. So I don't think that is always as prioritized as it may sh maybe should be. Is the structure of traditional education conducive to that? Or is there a change that we need to do? Because where I come from, it's an eight period day. Some people do a four period day. What was it like for you? And, and how would you change kind of the structure of the school day? Um, so I had, I think it was around an eight period day. Um, yeah, that was extremely rigid. You know, you spend a ton of um, hours in the classroom and then you go home and then you spend a ton of hours more working on homework. And I did not find that enjoyable at all. Um, so I think for one, reducing the busy work. And I understand that homework has its purpose. And I understand that if sometimes if kids are not busy, they will go on their phones or play video games and things like that. But I think that if students have the opportunity to explore more, um, so there's, there's this quote my dad always says that if kids don't have a purpose, they will um, fall back to entertainment. And if kids can find a purpose, because I feel like people find purpose so late in life. If these students can find their calling and find their purpose when they are in high school or in middle school, then maybe they wouldn't be twiddling their thumbs or playing or going on Instagram, watching YouTube, things like that all day long. Um, maybe instead they would be pursuing their calling. So I think setting out time in the school to explore and to find things that you're interested in, setting out time that is not rigid school, not rigid classwork, that gives students the opportunity to learn more about the world that's out there, learn more about careers that might interest them or problems that might need to be solved. Um, 
self-directed my learning gave me that opportunity. I didn't find that opportunity in the classroom. Um, and because of that, I'm so, I'm so grateful because now I have a better sense of, you know, what I, what change I want to make in the world, um, where I want to go to college, what I want to do after college, um, that I, I mean, I think all students should have that opportunity. Not all students do, but I think that is one thing that I would change around the school structure is just giving students the opportunity to explore. And that has led you to writing a book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's uh, transition right into that because uh, in our last conversation, you were you were morphing a couple different ideas, very unique. Um, let's unpack the overlapping uh, of worlds and and what. So this all kind of led to this as your next kind of big learning moment journey, if you will. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the book. It's it's. Uh, I think you have a plan coming out in winter of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, don't want to push this summer fast because I need it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let's unpack that. What what's the book about, and and how did you get to the idea of writing the book? So starting with the second question, I like I said, I've been a competitive swimmer since age of six. Um, always really loved the na nature, ocean specifically. Um, growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a marine biologist, marine conservationist. I thought that the ocean was my calling, like that was where I wanted to go. Um, while I was self-directing my learning, like I said before, I had some opportunity to think and explore. And I started exploring new things and I sort of came across this intersection. So my dad um, offered this program. He was like, hey, there's this great program. If you want to write a book, you should really sign up for it. I was like, okay. He said, find three things that are not related to each other and find a cool intersection and write about that. And I was like, okay, I didn't want to force it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to think about this for a little bit. Um, and it, I mean, I saw some things, I saw a, a trailer for this documentary that I was really interested in. I saw a LinkedIn post that had some content that um, I'm actually going to use in my book, but all of a sudden it sort of clicked. Like what if I could use the intersection and the three things I chose, what if I could use the intersection of mental health, sports and nature? And I had experiences in all three of those areas. And so that was probably the first time I was like, okay, wow, like this is a really interesting intersection that I never would have come to before. Um, I really have experience in this. I really have passions in this. And, you know, being someone who had always been um, set on being a marine biologist, this was a little bit of a surprise that I wasn't writing a book about, I don't know, whales or something. But I followed it, you know, I, I am researching right now how nature um, plays a role in supporting, strengthening and maintaining strong mental health in elite athletes. And I am loving it. It is fascinating. It is um, engaging. I've been interviewing people. Um, uh, that is a whole nother learning experience that I am so grateful to um, be able to experience. Um, but it is it's it's an incredible process. Uh, yeah, it's a incredible process. Um, and something that I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to, to uh, take because, you know, part of the self-directed learning is to find different ways to learn. And this is such a great way, like not like apart from um, selling the book and, you know, getting my name out there, the learning experience of writing a book is incredible. Um, not to mention the people that I'm interviewing, the research that I'm um, researching is also incredible. I, I just love that. And okay, so I'm older and <laughs> I grew up with the 85 bears when I, they were younger. So Walter Payton is the guy like for me. So, um, yeah. and he used to do these hills, 
in Lake Forest, Illinois, like just straight up and, you know, just, you know, Walter's sweetness, right? He's the, he's the guy. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm anxious. You should write a chapter about that. That's all I'm throwing. But, uh, so the book, um, you're challenging yourself. Uh, you're throwing out a, a you know, winter 2021. Um, mm-hmm. And this is coming out. Um, I want to give you a chance to uh, give people an idea of if they're interested in this and or if they want to connect with Olivia Barnes. Where, where do they do that? Yeah, so I think the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. Um, that is where that's the social media platform that I'm most <laughs> um, public on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing trying to do some Instagram, but that is not going very well yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this book is geared toward um, athletes specifically, but basically anyone who's interested in nature, really enjoys being in nature, or thinks that. They need help with mental health. I know for me, regardless of if I was an athlete or not, mental health is something that, you know, I think everyone can improve on. Um, everyone, it's a, it's a process, you know, it's not just like a, you, you get to great mental health and then you're done. Um, and it's something that I truly believe in, that nature does play a role in helping people's mental health. Um, so if you're any of those people, this is the book for you. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, that is where I'm um, most public. Um, so you can probably find me there. Olivia, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey, your lens on education. I know there's going to be a lot of people who are like going to be reaching out. Um, <laughs> everybody's trying to get everybody curious about learning like you are. And um, just an amazing story. And I can't wait to, to read this book when it comes out. And, and thank you so much for hanging out with us on Disrupt Education. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time.